I see the value in embracing that uncomfortable stuff. And so I feel like I'm here to help people get a little bit more comfortable with that and, and not let it stop them from thriving in life. That's just a quick preview of what's coming up at the VSAE annual conference and a glimpse into this episode of VSAE Connections, an original podcast series focused on the interconnectivity of Virginia's association community, produced by the Virginia Society of Association Executives. I'm Colby Horton, and I'm here with my colleague and co-host, Frank Humata. Hey, Frank. Hey, Colby. You know, life is a journey filled with ups and downs and unexpected roadblocks. And assuming you're navigating the twists and turns of life and seeking ways to overcome challenges like the rest of us, then you're in for a treat. That's right, Colby. We're excited to welcome Ann Bonnie to the podcast. She's presenting the opening keynote address at the VSAE Annual Conference held May 5th through 7th at Hilton Norfolk, the Maine. Her keynote promises to equip you with the tools needed to navigate these challenges intentionally from intentional effort to skill building. This session is bound to be both fun and enlightening. Anne is a fun, energetic, international, motivational keynote speaker and trainer. She is also an authority on change management, author of two books on embracing the discomforts of change, podcast host of Dancing in the Discomfort Zone podcast, and an experienced in-person, virtual, and hybrid work facilitator. After 20 years of highly successful corporate and nonprofit leadership, Anne now uses her experience, education, and expertise to ignite your courage, confidence, and resilience in the face of the discomfort of change. Anne Bonnie's keynote presentation is provided courtesy of PK Speakers Bureau. With over 34 years of combined experience, PK Speakers Bureau is a valuable asset for ensuring the success of your meeting and special events. They simplify the event planning process for their clients by being a one-stop solution for speakers, celebrities, and entertainers for keynotes, breakout sessions, and workshops. Their philosophy of fast, friendly service guarantees you'll come back to PK Speakers Bureau again and again. Discover how PK Speakers Bureau can help with your next meeting and event at pkspeakersbureau.com. So let's connect with Ann Bonnie. Hey, welcome to the podcast, Ann. Hey, good morning, Colby. How are you? Doing great. Hey, we're excited about this conversation. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Good. With VSAE 2024 Annual Conference coming up in May, we wanted to bring you on the show and talk a little bit about your keynote session, which you've entitled Ignite Your Resilience, Building Confidence in Challenging Times. How about giving just a quick preview to our listeners about what they can learn from this session? Yeah, absolutely. These days, and we all know this, everything's changing, everything's crazy, everything's chaotic, and we're trying to figure out how do we function and how do we thrive today? We're all used to thriving before and the way we've always done it, and unfortunately, some of that isn't working anymore. And one of the things I really like to let people know is that the resistance that we feel to change and to the unknowns is perfectly normal. Like, it's your brain trying to protect you. <laughs> but... That shouldn't be used as a stop sign. It just should be used as an opportunity to think harder. So I was reading in a book that just was recently published called Uncertain by Maggie Jackson. And one of the things she talks about is the fact that uncertainty, when we are uncertain, while it is jarring and scary and terrible, <laughs> it also makes us sharper. It makes our brains work better. We're not going on the old habits. So even though it's off-putting, 
it makes us better and makes us think harder and makes us better at problem solving and actually more resilient. So I'm going to go a little bit more into that and give some strategies for Tuesday afternoon at 445 when you're ready to rip your hair out. What can I do then? Because the big picture, you got that. You wouldn't be where you are if you didn't. It's those little moments where you're like, okay, I need something right now. Help me out here, redhead. (laughs) (laughs) Man, we talked in the pre-show a little bit about your session and how people can possibly see a problem, take action to find a solution or make a change. Could you give us an example of one of those? When I think about the problems that we encounter, for example, we are dealing with a new coworker. Okay, whether it's your boss, whether it's somebody that works for you or somebody that works with you, whatever the case, new people create a lot of unknowns. And when we are faced with that situation, it's really important to identify our challenge with it when we feel like we have resistance. Sometimes you're going to be fine with it, right? Sometimes when something changes or something unknown happens, you'll be fine with it. But sometimes you feel the brakes being put on emotionally. And one of the steps you want to take is identify, why is this bugging me? If we just step back from it and just acknowledge the feelings and saying, okay, I'm nervous because this is a new person. And sometimes new people can be challenging. New bosses come in and bring the wrecking ball with them for no reason when everything's actually going just fine. And so identifying and pausing for a sec to just say, here's why I'm frustrated. Here's why I'm feeling resistance. Maybe I'm resentful because I didn't get the job. Maybe I'm just a little bit nervous because this person looks a little stuffy and I'm not sure how this is going to go. But by identifying that emotion, it helps you to be able to face how you're going to deal with the situation a little bit more clearly because you're not thinking around and through the emotion. You've set the emotion aside And we don't like to talk about emotion at work, but the bottom line is humans are emotional creatures and they come with us whether we like it or not. And so by acknowledging that emotion, you're able to set that aside to really truly look at the situation in an emotionally intelligent way and say, how do I want to deal with this to get the best results? Does that answer your question? It does. Okay, good. That's my job here. (laughs) (laughs) So we want to talk a little bit about Virginia. Because that's the state we we all love. It's where we live. It's where we do business. It's where our members are. So you spent some time in Virginia early in your life and in college. Tell us about those experiences and what do you enjoy most about Virginia? Yeah, so I, I lived in Vienna, Virginia when I was three to five years old. And that's when you start to recognize that there's more than just you in the world. There's friends and there were horses in our backyard like the back and then the backyard. And I remember our swing set. I just, Virginia became, and we moved overseas shortly after that. But I always said I was from Virginia. Um, My dad, when they came back from living overseas, he actually got a job in Crystal City in, uh, I think it's in Arlington technically, but right outside of DC. So I did my student teaching there because I was a special ed teacher. And so that kind of became home because we were always going to my parents' house. And I went to James Madison down in Virginia. And Just being a moderate climate, my parents live in Michigan now, and that just never felt like home. (laughs) I like it a little more. But I learned so many important lessons in Virginia, and it became, it always feels like home going back there. I remember one time in college, college is when you're figuring not even more figuring out the world as a real human. And I remember getting my car stuck in the snow. And I had a, this was in 90, probably four. 
I had a 1980 Mazda GLC, a little tan car that was my grandma's. I think it had 10,000 miles on it or something when I got it. And we called it Olive. And I got it stuck in a snowbank. And this was one of those moments, like Frank asked about, where I had a problem. Something had changed. Suddenly, I couldn't move my car. And I was like, okay, how am I going to move this thing? And I was like, just stick your leg out and see if you can push it. <laughs> and it's the stupidest idea ever. But you know what? It worked. And I realized in that moment that sometimes our solutions don't have to be gigantic solutions. They can be little stupid things. Just try it. If it hadn't worked, great. I get out and flag somebody down, put some kitty litter down or whatever you do. All these lessons that are dumb and ridiculous and perfect for Tuesday at 445. And I learned so many of them in Virginia. So it's awesome to be coming back. That's great. I don't think we can have this conversation today without touching a little bit on your career experience. Looking at your LinkedIn, I see a Marine Mammal Trainer and you've had some impressive work at Under Armour and you know, as employee number 80, as you told me earlier, you know, how was working at Under Armour at such an early point in the company's history and what were you working on there? So I answered, I moved after training marine mammals that I trained birds of prey down in Arizona. Uh, after I got divorced, I realized, okay, Ann, you better get a big kid job. And so I answered an ad in the newspaper. It was 2002. Nobody had heard of Under Armour. I started out as a receptionist. And after a couple months, they realized that I would be better served doing something else. So they moved me into sales. And then I ran the trade show program for a while. And that was a really amazing experience because I needed to work with so many different departments to achieve their goals. Even though I didn't work for them, they didn't work for me. And I needed to learn how do I lead these people and how do I manage my own energy so I can keep this whole thing going? Because we did 60 or 70 trade shows a year. And so I was on, I didn't go to all of them, but I had to organize all of them. So I had to learn, how do I manage myself on the road? How do I manage myself with my coworkers? How do I make sure they'll do what needs to happen? So that was awesome. And then I moved into the brand manager for running. We were just getting into running. We launched the running shoes. And so I was going around to races and doing all the things. So I had several different roles there, but similar to sticking my leg out of the door, it was early times there. And we were all just trying to figure out how do we make this little thing happen? How do we make it go? And so that was a really neat experience in entrepreneurship. Even though I was definitely an employee there, we were all doing what it took to get that little engine up the hill. And I think it worked, right? <laughs> <laughs> My son's baseball team would definitely agree that it worked fine. Yep. Yeah, and also we focus on the Under Armour, but I can't believe we didn't talk more about Marine Mammal Trainer. Yeah, yeah. I worked at the aquarium in Boston. If you've ever been there, it's an awesome facility. And I worked at the Arizona Sonora Desert Museum when I lived in Tucson. Obviously, that wasn't marine mammals. That was hawks, owls, and falcons. With my degree in psychology and my minor in education from James Madison, I had the learning theory that I needed to be able to train animals. So after a year of volunteering, and that's another lesson that I learned at James Madison is how do I take little steps to get me where I need to go? And uh, so when I was teaching special ed, I decided I didn't want to do that anymore. I realized that my whole life I wanted to be an animal trainer. I always thought it was a vet, but it wasn't. It was an animal trainer. Oh my gosh, this is amazing. I saw it at SeaWorld and I was like, I want to go. Yeah, I want to do this. And I started volunteering and I started taking small steps towards my goal. And after about a year, I got hired as a trainer and man, it was fun. 
because it combined everything that I loved. I, I was a performer for a long time. Uh, I sang. I went to a performing arts high school. So I, I sang and performed in high school and in college. And then we combined this partnership with the animals, which was really fun. And I got to run around in rubber boots all day, which, yeah, what's, who doesn't love that? So it was an amazing experience. And it's funny, all of what I've done in the past, all of these crazy jobs have all led to success where I am right now. So it's interesting. You'd ask me back in 95 when I graduated from James Madison, if I'd be a motivational speaker and an MC at all these big events and wrote two books, I'd be like, oh, what? But everything I've done since then has led me to being successful now. And it's pretty cool. It freaks my parents out, but it's pretty, it's pretty great for me. <laughs> That's awesome. It makes for an impressive resume as well. It's interesting anyway. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So you gave us a preview of your keynote session for the annual conference, but what other topics do you cover for speaking engagements? Yeah, sure. I, I speak on change, on specifically on change management, either keynote-wise or workshop-wise. And then I also do workshops on having tough conversations in a way that people actually want to participate and listen and make changes. And I speak on leadership that people actually want to follow. I do some stuff on emotional intelligence as well, all tied into this resilience factor of how do we solve our problems? How do we embrace discomfort? That's it all. I don't know why, but like all of my topics are around uncomfortable things. <laughs> it's all part of life, right? If we don't embrace the uncomfortable things, we don't continue to move forward. Yeah, I was actually going to ask you, what makes you the, the expert here on uncomfortable things? What led you to start talking about this particular topic to folks? Yeah. When I was seven, I got home from second grade and my parents sat my brother and I down and said, we're moving to Saudi Arabia. And I was like, I have no idea what that means. But apparently I said, I've got people to meet and places to go. So we lived in Saudi Arabia for two years. We lived in Egypt for a year. We lived in Greece for four years. And then I hopped off to boarding school. And when you live in Saudi Arabia, you don't go to Disney World for vacation. You go to Nepal because it's closer and it's cheaper. <laughs> and so I had this incredible upbringing from 8 to 14 of being in different cultures, completely different than I was used to, being in places where I didn't speak the language, running around countries that there were a lot of uncomfortable moments. I remember one night our flight was delayed. We were in India and we ended up spending the night in the airport in India and buses with chickens next to you. Yeah, like you just, wherever it was, there were just uncomfortable things. But I think that so much more resilient and so much more willing to take on the uncomfortable things, allowing me to start my own business, allowing me to take the risk of getting on stage and leading people to live more resilient lives, hopefully very successfully. I keep getting paid for it. So I assume I'm doing an okay job. But that, that's why I see the value in embracing that uncomfortable stuff. And so I feel like I'm here to help people get a little bit more comfortable with that and, and not let it stop them from thriving in life. Well, and the, the conference is coming up in May. And for those who might not have registered yet, what message do you have for them? Why should they attend? Register, go now. A, you get to hang out with me, a spunky little redhead, and help you build resilience. But one of the biggest pieces of resilience is having a strong network when you need it personally, when you need it professionally. And these conferences are so valuable when it comes to building your network, meeting new people, sharing your challenges, 
and learning a bunch of important stuff. But I would say the relationships are so valuable. And so if you have not registered yet, get in there because, again, you'll meet people. And I find that the people that go to these things, industry, because I've been to <laughs> a lot of different conferences, but the people who choose to attend these things are people who are engaged in learning, who are engaged in moving forward and are really high quality people. They're the people you want in your network. So I would say, get your butt there. I'll see you. And thank you. We appreciate your insights today, your advice. We can't wait to hear you at the conference in May. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I'm working on, it's the beginning of the year when we're recording this. So I'm working on amping up my keynote even more. So you all by May, it's going to be good. I might even bring my guitar. Oh, we're here to hear first then, y'all. <laughs> thanks, Ann. And thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of VSAE Connections. Join us each month as we continue our conversations with VSAE members about life, work, and the communities they serve. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And on behalf of VSAE, I'm Colby Horton with Frank Humata. Thanks again for listening. See you in Norfolk.